Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. My name is Aid, and you are listening to show 196. We are creeping up on that there 200 for which Graham has promised us a real humdinger of a party and, and I know he's got all the planning in the works and, and it's all sorted and bless him he said I don't need to worry about it at all which is ever so nice for him now he's a famous YouTuber and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, there you go. You could hear him giggly. Yeah, I was going to go on with my mon- my opening monologue until I made somebody laugh. <laughs> uh, did you did you hear how my current YouTube campaign is going? Uh, did you hear how it went last week? Well, you've pitched up with the market, yeah, with the master of marketing himself, haven't you, uh, Mister Paul Mackay? Well, yeah, I did, and I thought this is great. I'm going to be part of his. You know, he's going to help make me a YouTube celebrity. Uh, and so last Thursday, yes, that's Ford why decided... he's doing it. That is... <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's doing it just to make me a YouTube celebrity. It's the only logical reason. And um, so we're doing this live stream, not in person, of. Um, uh, but uh, I'm there, and we've got Andy Church from Kodak as well, because they were doing the um, results of the competition. And after I think, mm, let's be generous and say 10 minutes, the whole thing fell apart completely, just broke down. <laughs> Paul's computer just crapped itself and died. Um, and then they did manage to get it working again without me. I got the boot. Can you can you even <laughs> imagine it? I got the heave-ho. I got the old heave-ho and was no longer wanted. Um, I think... I think it was either due to technical reasons or because I was drinking a clear liquid out of a measure clearly labelled fix and, <laughs> um, and said a rude word within the first five minutes. I think that might also have caused some alarm to Paul and may have led to To be clear, I wasn't drinking fixer. I was just drinking neat <laughs> vodka. So that's all right. <laughs> yes yes and, and also setting a good example for all the youngsters out there that you know look look up to you yeah. well, they need to learn not to do that very promptly <laughs> okay all right well i'll tell you what well well, well done for trying anyway mm-hmm. we're gonna try again this week i know <laughs> so i heard yeah yeah i i i i'm gonna wait till you get through the first 10 shows and and then uh <laughs> Uh, and then I'll um, um, then I'll admit to knowing you. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't if I was you. Yeah, fair point. Okay, all right. Well, I tell you what. All seriousness, all yeah, all silliness aside, and, and with a serious voice. So well done for getting out there and doing it. Um, you know, it's a clear, clearly um, you've got a ways to go before you can uh, reach Rachel's numbers on YouTube. Uh, Rachel's mm-hmm. Ilford videos are going through the roof. It's fantastic. How many? How many was it when you last looked? Uh, it's over ten thousand. Wow! Over ten thousand views of the one video, and loads and loads of positive comments as well. Like like a hundred positive comments. Fantastic stuff. Well done, Rach. Who sadly yeah, isn't here this evening, fantastic. but well done, Rach. Yeah, that's fantastic. And we keep saying, if you haven't seen the video yet, do go and watch it because it's awesome. And just getting to see Rachel is already a treat. Um, and then you learn stuff as well. It's it's fantastic. Indeed, indeed. Right. Well, I tell you what, um, uh, in all our opening preamble and, and what have you, um, we've neglected to introduce our super special guest for this week. So uh, why don't you go ahead and do that? 
Yeah, and we do have an absolutely fabulous guest this week. It's somebody who we have been looking forward to getting on the show for quite a long time now. And originally, we had hoped that she was going to be part of the live podcast, live from the NEC. Um, uh, but sadly, um, she dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> and, um, uh, and I think she may have actually um, instigated the entire closure of the show just so she didn't have to do that. I don't know, but rumours and speculation. Um, but anyway, we've got her here now. It is an incredible privilege to welcome to the show Lucy Ridges. Lucy, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. <laughs> you can only escape for so long. We will get you eventually. <laughs> You've got me in the end. <laughs> Um, so for listeners who might not be familiar, Lucy, you're um, a professional photographer, uh, an artist. Your work uh, is broad and covers um, loads of different aspects. But what I, I think a great place to start um, is something that uh, some of our listeners might have seen um, because it's something that was featured on the Ilford site. And it's kind of a good lead in to a lot of what you do. Uh and this is a picture that you took, got featured. Um, uh, and I don't know what the title is, just Ship. Um, that's the only title I can find on here. Yeah. Um, but it is this fabulous picture of um, an old um, three-rigged sailing boat, um, beautifully double exposed, uh, with a, a naked woman kind of forming the bow of the ship. Um, it's a spectacular image. Um, Tell us about how you came to be making this image. And like, it feels like this is a, a combination of kind of a lot of the stuff that you do and you're interested in. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that image is actually um, one of my favorites, definitely, that I've sort of, that I've made over the years. Um, I made it in, I think it was 2013. And um, you're right, the title is just ship. I've never been hugely original with the old, with the title. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, this was a in-camera double exposure that I created on medium format film with a Mamiya 6.7 camera. Um, so a lot of my work revolves around double exposures and there's a there's a couple of ways that I do double exposures or that you can do double exposures. One is a kind of almost shooting blind method where you would have, um, for instance, a 35mm camera and you would put an entire roll of film through shoot something 36 images and then you take that roll of film out and put it in again without developing it and shoot something else that's one of the ways of creating double exposures which which has quite a high element of chance in it and so the other way of creating them is whereby you take a picture on a on a camera and then you you just sort of cock the shutter again and take a picture again um which gives you the two images on the one piece of film. And that's the method I used to create this ship image. So it was a, quite a lot of planning went into the, went into this image. I had a, as I said, I had a Mamiya RB67 camera and I, I, I was drawing on the, on the glass screen to, to mark where I'd laid, where I'd put the ship I was sort of marking out that and then moving the ship out of the frame and getting Catherine, my model, in the frame and marking up. And there were 12 images on this roll of film and that one that you're referring to was, you know, the winner. And the other 11 were just awful in various <laughs> ways. Just, you know, everything a bit out of whack, just just, just, just bad. Um, 
so yeah, it's a really nice way of working because it's so exciting because you you know you're you're hoping for the thing that you can see in your head, and you don't obviously you don't really know if you're going to get it. So when I got that image, I was just yeah beyond excited. Um, and it, it, you know, before that, it had just lived in my sketchbook from something I just dreamed up in my head. So yeah, I feel really grateful that it worked out the way I'd intended. Um, yeah, so that's the story behind the image. So you see, this was um, for an idea that you'd had for a while, living in a sketchbook. I mean, what? Where does inspiration for something like that come from? Um, so I mean, I mean, it kind of just comes from everywhere and from from life. Um, and I, I spend quite a lot of time just doodling and sketching and thinking up ideas. So I, there are a couple of different ways I work. One, one is that I'll just sit and think, you know, what image can I make? It really is as simple as that. Like my, my work in general, I don't really, for my own work, I don't really go in for the sort of the theory or the, the, the meanings or the, um, you know, the, any sort of story I'm trying to portray. My starting point with photography is always what would look good, what would look interesting, what would be eye-catching and what would be interesting and fun to make and to execute. And so I sort of start with that and then I just sort of take my mind to a different place of of daydreaming, I guess, and sketching and the the inspiration will always be fed from things I've seen. So I think a, a few days before I'd sketched that idea, um, I'd been in a gallery and I'd been just seeing some beautiful paintings of ships at sea. So I think that had planted this sort of seed. And at, at that time in my in my work, which I guess was, yes, seven, eight years ago, um, I was going through this real phase of, I mean, a lot of my work, as you see, most of it does revolve around the female nude. And so a lot of the base of my work comes from, you know, where can I put the figure? What can I do with the body? And certainly around that time, I was in that real phase of um, what strange things can I do with the figure? You know, where can I put my model? What can I, you know, what can I put together that might look dynamic or interesting or eye-catching? So, yeah, it's kind of a, a merge of all, of all of that, really, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's interesting you say about the fact that you start with the 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 pictures, the the idea for the pictures that you want to make, um, and not the the stories or the themes or that sort of thing. Yeah. Because with a lot of your work that you've got um, on your website, um, uh, which is uh, Lucy, which is gallery .com, If anybody wants to go and have a look, which they absolutely should, um, you do have um, pieces talking about them and the themes that. You are yeah. exploring. Is it a case that you kind of you start off trying to make the images and exploring that, and then go actually this is this feels like where this is going, and then it grows from there, or is it you make a body of work, look at it afterwards, and go okay, what's this saying to me now? Well, so to tell the honest truth, <laughs> um, I write. If you go to artybollocks.com. You are. <laughs> no, um, I write about my work because. The world I'm in demands that I do so mm -hmm. in terms of galleries and in terms of um, having work in shows and, you know, anything, anything, any sort of professional side of being an artist requires that you have written work to accompany it. Um, I've struggled with that forever. It's never, it's never come to me easily. And I have some real sort of stressful memories of, of my uni years and, I did a, um, a BA and an MA and like, well, it, a lot of it was about 
articulating why you were doing something or the reasons behind it or what you were trying to say. And that always really confused me at a very deep level because as an artist, I just thought, well, the thing I'm, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm a, I'm a physical artist. I'm not a writer. I'm not a theorist. I'm not an art historian. But but yet that's that's been something that's always there, and I've always had to do that. So for for many years, I sort of just got on with it very begrudgingly because I just had to, and and nothing I would write about my work was was very good or very interesting because I simply wasn't really able to tap into that that side of it that that uses words. You know, I was only able to tap into the side of it that uses photography as a medium to you know, do what I want to do or show what I want to show or explore whatever I wanted to explore. Um, and it's probably only been in the last two or three years that I I kind of gave in and just realised, sort of, I came to accept the fact that it actually is quite interesting to know a little bit of background, you know, and, and I got there by realising that when I look at someone's photography, um, as as long as they're not writing a load of art jargon, I do find it interesting to know a little bit more about what's behind it. So in in the end, I sort of came to accept that if I was going to do this and if I was going to sort of partake into any sort of art society, I would have to get on board with the writing thing. So I did, sure. and and I started I started making sure I was doing it in my own way. So I will never sit down and think what do I want to say? And then I will think of an image to fit that. I would, I would, I would never do that because that just doesn't, it's not how I work. But what I can do now is I can create work still tapping into the sort of instinctive way I make work, but then I can look at it afterwards and think about maybe what it makes me think about or what I think might've been going on for me when I made it or, or anything like that really. Um, but I try and do it in a, in a way that lets the work still be quite open to interpretation for other people because I think yeah. one of the things that why I, I think I spent so much time resisting the, the sort of written word accompanying it is because I never the, the work I make is I feel like it's so open and it is so it's quite surreal and it and, and it it can take people to a different place and the thing I was always terrified of is telling someone what they should think when they saw my work because I think that's just it's just not what I would want to do. And it's not what I like to see when I see a piece of work I like, because, you know, I think the whole point of artwork, especially in the sort of surrealist sense, I think half of the point of it is that it dips into other people's unconscious minds or their own memories or their own thoughts. So yeah, it's a, it's a tricky thing. I think writing about artwork, if it doesn't come naturally to you, but that's sort of where I'm at with it now. So to be honest, when you read, what my work might be about it's just a guess it's me guessing what it might be about <laughs> I, <laughs> I love mean, that that is the most honest thing I think I've ever heard anybody say about their <laughs> artist statement <laughs> that's fantastic and I think it's so true as well because um it, with especially with like you said stuff work where it's so open to interpretation yeah. um all the, what the artist statement can do is give some people just maybe a way into it absolutely um, yeah and that, that's yeah. great and it, it doesn't matter what the absolute truth is because yeah, exactly. these images are not about absolute truth so exactly well that's another thing that I'm only sort of realizing lately because I'm, I'm relatively new to the whole writing about my work thing and, and I ended up getting a bit 
caught in it of you know trying to think what is my work about and thinking oh maybe it's that uh, but then recently I've I've more come to a place of of discussing my work but but from a from a point of view of this is what I'm interested in because that's obviously true I know what I'm interested in and then and this led me to explore this and I think that's much more that's much more interesting and, and engaging and honest rather than saying this work is about um, sadness. This work is about, do you know what I mean? Like mm. some, saying it's about something specific. Because also the thing I've come to realize is that, you know, art, art, art and images and photography, they, they just are, they just exist and they exist to be enjoyed and looked at and taken in. And they're not necessarily a puzzle to be solved. And I think that's something that can be something that hap ends up happening with artist statements or when people feel pressured to sort of write about their work, they end up trying to explain what it is so that people can get it in inverted commas, which, and I, and I don't really agree with that because I don't think art or photography needs to be got, you know, I think it's just, it just is. And it's just a, a beautiful thing that exists for whatever reason the viewer wants it to exist for. Do you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but it does to no. me, it does to me because I yeah. always I, I always struggle to to understand the artist statements anyway. Um, yeah. My brain doesn't work like that, and uh, I, I, a lot of it just comes across to me as nonsense. And to be honest, partly that's because I have a cynical frame of mind, and yeah. because I I am unable to distinguish between the genius and the nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> so well, yeah, and there there is a lot of nonsense because artists have a lot of pressure to write something when when they're not inherently good writers. Mm. You know, you, we didn't sign we didn't sign up for writing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Did. nobody's making the authors design their own front covers are they exactly exactly graham exactly that and you know no one you know when people release an album they don't have to release an essay with it <laughs> but weirdly the visual arts have just arrived in a place where you have to you know you have to explain everything like you know it's not enough that it just exists anymore you have to explain it and it's funny because Many years ago, that job will have been done by, you know, an art historian. Like when you think of the the great artists throughout time, they wouldn't have been writing their own artist statements. You know, all the, the theories behind it were made, you know, years later by historians. Yeah, good, good so, point, good point. And if even if you were contemporary, it'd be done by your agent, wouldn't it? Not by the artists themselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 refreshing. As Graham says, it's it's refreshing to to hear somebody, you know, uh, an artist speak speak like this, because I, as I say, I I do struggle. I've always struggled with this stuff. Um, in fact, did, Graham, didn't didn't we run a a a, a round of the cheap shots challenge? <laughs> Yes. Called fine yes. art, uh, and 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 we require <laughs> any entrance required that any entrance uh, to the to to that round wrote uh, submitted an artist statement as well. We had a good we had a good old giggle because nobody took we, it seriously. Yeah, we got some we got some great nonsense coming with that, um, <laughs> which was fabulous. It's interesting, like because last week um, when I was chatting to M. Um, at one point, and, and admittedly, because I also am fairly cynical, um, he said. Um, uh, I most was he? I, I, I mostly work in textures. That's the space I live in. And I said, well, well, that's pretentious. Um, <laughs> but the thing, but the thing that was interesting to me is that because we, we, he talked about it, and he said, well, 
I was at a point where I wasn't sure where you know, he was feeling a bit lost with his work. Yeah. And somebody said to him, well, no, if you look at your work, you, you can see what you're there is a recurring theme. There are things you're clearly drawn to. And this is what it is. It's texture. And so sometimes like with the agent or the art historian, it, it's a third party looking at your work going, oh, that's the kind of thing you're taking pictures of when you go, huh, is it? Yeah, <laughs> okay, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, as you go to your website, um, and like I said, everybody should be going there. Um, the work that you've got on there is um, very uh, consistent in terms of, I mean, there's, there's various different projects and stuff going on and various different ideas explored, but it's very consistent in terms of your style, I suppose. Um, yeah. Is that something that, because you said you did a BA and an MA, did you come straight out of school with a clear idea of, what you wanted to do, what your uh, vision was going to be, your approach, or is that something that you've had to work at? Um, no, I definitely didn't come out of it with a clear idea of, of anything, to be honest. So I, I studied, um, so I studied photography back in two thousand and five. Well, no, that's a lie. I studied fine art. Sorry, I studied fine art with us with that ended up being a specialism in photography because that was it was those years where I really became more drawn to cameras and working with with photography um so and then when I graduated I um I had sort of well I didn't really have a, an idea of what I was doing other than that I knew I wanted to be an artist whatever really that meant professionally um and I knew that I really enjoyed photography so I was like a lost little lamb for a couple of years just trying everything trying to sort of start businesses in headshots trying to do a bit of sports photography like really just trying anything and not really having any direction and then I decided that I wanted to do an MA because I thought well I know I want to do photography I know that's sort of where my heart lies but I don't really know anything more than that so I did an MA and then I did that part-time for two years and it was very self-led so we weren't really taught a whole lot but it was it was two years of exploring really of, of, of you know hiring out cameras from the uni and just playing around in the studio and it was that time that I really started to learn about what I was interested in making and I started to be really interested in analog as opposed to digital and um, I started discovering lots of surrealist painters and photographers and artists that made me realize that the area I was interested in was you know the sort of the weird and the the outside of reality sort of world um and then so yeah that was when I that was when I really realized what I was interested in art wise um and then since then it's 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 been a case of just working on it and refining it really um as you were saying about my website I I kind of there are a few sort of themes that just are consistent throughout all my work. And the thing that often tends to set apart individual projects tends to be how I made them or, you know, the processes that I use, um, as opposed to, you know, a, a hugely different subject matter or, or anything like that. Because, mm, yeah, as you said earlier, a lot of your work is based around female nude. I know you work yeah. with um, a, a few models over a, a long period of time, so you've got a yeah. really good relationship with them. Um, and But the, as you said, the thing that sets these different sets apart is the very different ways that you're yeah. either interpreting sometimes the same 
um, negatives multiple times or you know yeah. doing different things um you you seem to be doing, doing all sorts of different stuff with mixed media um like how did you get into that um so i i mean one of the reasons i love analog photography is that there are just it feels like there's so many different places to go with it and a lot of my work is created by just following my own curiosity you know just thinking oh you know what could I try next kind of thing you know what what might look good if I did this um so that's something that just keeps me excited and keeps me interested is is trying out new things and the mix the mixed media journey began when I was on a res I went on a re an artist residency in Iceland a few years ago and it was a really interesting trip where I went there for a month and it was in a, a tiny remote village in the north of of Iceland there was no it wasn't photography specialism specialist so it was just all art form so there was no dark room there was no studio there was nothing there was nothing there that I was used to using and having like in my possession here and um, and I decided to just go there with a Polaroid land camera because I would there would have been no lab that I could have you know developed other films so I went with a Polaroid land camera and I bought some oh no I tell a lie there was a lab I could get 35 mil prints developed um so yeah I went there with a really basic setup so sort of notepads some paints this Polaroid land camera and and no no knowledge that there would be any models or anything there and I kind of did that because I just wanted to see where my mind would go if I took away everything I had before in terms in terms of creating and in terms of photography um, and so my mixed media journey began there because I I ended up taking some pictures of getting them developed at this place a few a few sit towns away and then you sort of wait four or five days to get them sent back and then I would just be sat looking at these photographs I'd taken and then I started playing around with with elements of the landscape. So I would pick out sort of bits of black sand from the volcanic beach and lay them on top of the fill, sorry, lay them on top of the photograph. And then I would use paints to color in the nude figure on some other prints. And that that was born out of just having a lot of time on my hands. And a, I mean, yeah, a lot of time to think of new ways of working with photography rather than just the same odd thing I've been doing before, which was shooting on film and that being sort of the end of the manipulation or, or the process I was using. Um, and since then I've kept, I've kept working with, with mixed media and another, another project I did actually was on another residency, which also was born out of the fact that I was somewhere with no, um, no sort of no studio or no darkroom or, or anything I normally had um, apart from pens, paper and paints and so I, I took some images that I'd recently developed in the darkroom and I just spent I spent a lot of time just mark making and painting and colouring in with oils. And yeah, so so I guess in answer to your question that the that that way of working came out of the fact that I was some the fact that I was sort of in a different place that needed a different way of working, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, what part, I don't know whether there is like, maybe there's a specific time in your life or a specific part of your educational process, but where do you think you got the ability? Because I can imagine a situation where somebody either goes in the residency or, you know, is put in a position where they're told, okay, you have an opportunity to do something creative um, and just 
almost freezing um to to be presented with a kind of blank canvas can be terrifying um do you think that either in your fine art or in your um uh, the ma that you did that there is something that you either were taught or an approach that came along that enables you to kind of step back from that and not become overwhelmed by the everything that can be done and, and so you end up doing nothing that can lead you to kind of just explore stuff yeah, it's an interesting question. I feel like it th- this sort of urge to create and make things is something that I've I've never been without. It, I, it's something that's sort of in my bones, I think. Like, I always knew from in a really early age that I, I was going to pursue a, an art career, even though I didn't really know, really know what that meant back then. Um, and then most of my sort of working life has been me working alongside. So, so up until three-ish, three, four years ago, I was working as a waitress and in various other jobs alongside working on my art practice. Um, and it was only when I decided to become a bit more commercially minded that I was able to sustain myself fully with, you know, with my business. But up until then, I've always, I've always been, been working and then being, and fitting the art in, you know, on not, not necessarily on the side, but certainly only as a part in a, in a part-time way. So when I'm, when I go on a residency and I'm faced with, you know, a month of time, it, firstly, it doesn't even really feel like that much. And it certainly doesn't feel like a scary blank canvas because it's a place that I'm always wanting to be. And certainly now a lot of, it's probably half of my time, um, or more is is centered around commercial photography so I'm always I'm always trying to claw up claw back a bit more time to work on the really creative um side of things and I've always got a growing list of things I want to try and do so I I don't really I don't really often get to the blank canvas bit because there's so many things that are building up that I want to try and do yeah no that makes perfect sense um I wish I had some- that Sorry, <laughs> I wish I had because I the, the it's the it's the inspirational bit that I it's one of the things I struggle with is like working out what exactly it is that I want to do. I, I, I mean, I I kind of cheat really because as I was saying, my my all my work is kind of one long project, you know, that revolves around um, the female nude exploring, um, you know, shapes or color or processes. So. It's not like I'm thinking up a whole fresh new theoretical project each time. It's it's me going, okay, well, what else can I do with a circle and a girl's back? <laughs> you know, it's cheating, <laughs> <speaking> really. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, okay, I, I'll accept that in part. I will accept, yeah, but but it it is, uh, it, you know, the, the, you, the fact that you, you have uh, a, a long-term project to work on at all puts you streets ahead of me, but there you go. <laughs> It is. It, it is. It is. It is a. Uh, it, it's, it's a different way of, uh, of of being, I suppose. In yeah. a way, I mean, I came to photography as somebody frustrated that I couldn't paint or draw or anything else like that. But I figured I could use the technology to capture the things that I see as I go as I go through life. Right. Um, but but the, that that's the that's the thing. It's the things that I see as I go through life. Rarely is it uh, so something that I I create in my mind and then seek to uh ma- manifest physically uh, now the yeah. poor choice of words there sorry it's it's uh, my vocabulary is deserting me but it's it's it's, <laughs> it's the other way around for me it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can see that 
<laughs> Sorry, Graham. I mean, you were going to ask a question, Graham, and I interrupted you. No, no. I, no, I think it's well. The thing is, I'm, I I completely understand where you're coming from. I mean, the, the thing that strikes me about all of your work, Lucy, is that you are clearly. Um, very technically accomplished in your photography um uh, as you have to be as you said you're you are making a living through um product photography and food photography and that all has to be done to a very high standard and um you're working out of a studio up in manchester um so the stuff is all beautifully lit and all technically very well done um and so you've got these lovely technically fantastic images um and you're then um using various techniques and as i said before frequently revisiting um the same image to, to do different things with it to yeah. take them somewhere else take the picture on a different journey from where they started mm -hmm. um uh, Talk about some of the techniques that you've used, because I mean, I I know that uh, one once I looked at, I know it was shot on digital, not um, uh, not on film in this particular one, but you've actually taken a series of pictures. I'm trying to, remember, I can't remember which one. Uh, is it? Uh, let's see, it's Atlantic in the North. I can't remember because I clicked through so much of your stuff. I think yeah, Atlantic in the North, um, where you've got pictures and then you've just painted over them yeah. with, with acrylic paints. Yeah, that well, that that was one of the bodies of work I made in Iceland. So yeah, that was one of my first sort of um, one of my first experiments with the with the painting. Um, but yeah, so so techniques wise, um, so as I said, I started off just with film with thirty five mil and um, medium format film, and then I became increasingly excited with just the idea of trying new things. Um, from there, I I started using cyanotype printing, which is a lovely really simple way of working which I guess you both know um and with with I have a series called shallows where I work with cyanotype and that's a really nice way of working because it enables me to do the it enables me to do the layering which I which I just really like doing but in a in a in a different more considered way so by creating two or more um transparencies and layering those and then creating those that way um and then so yeah the other side the other techniques I like doing are the mixed media, which we've already talked about. And a year ago, I started learning photopolymer gravure, um, which for anyone who doesn't know, is a really difficult, complex um, photo etching technique from the 19th century. And I was fortunate enough to receive some Arts Council funding, which enabled me to learn this because without that, it would have been nigh on impossible because you essentially have to throw time and money at it for about six months um, before you can get anywhere. And I've been learning with a fantastic um, teacher called Peter Mosley, who's based in Chichester. Um, and I've had a couple of sessions learning down south with him and then working at a print studio in Manchester. But it's a, it's a technique that's just absolutely it's just so beautiful and um, the the modern version of the technique is slightly different than the original version because it used to be copper plate gravure and i think well there are definitely some people that still practice the copper plate photogravure but it's really carcinogenic so it's not a way that anyone teaches now and it's really it's a really it's even more complex than the than the already complex photopolymer version but you you mentioned journey um, before, and that's that's something that's really quite a big part of my work. So I I don't really have an answer as to why, but the 
the the taking taking time on on an image has always felt really important and and interesting to me so you know i i can take an image on a on a a 35 mil film that that will then be scanned and made into a a digital uh, file and then that will then be turned into a negative a positive sorry that will then be that will then go into the photogravure process which may take a month to get a print and people think that that's bonkers because it's just such a long time to get one print from one image but I've always really valued that time I think it's it's always brought me closer to to the images I guess and I've never really I've never really liked the in terms of creating artwork I've never liked how instant digital is it's never really excited me I like I like the sort of long drawn out processes that 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 come with these ways of working with film so yeah yeah that's, i mean so which can you cause i'm looking down there and which of the um projects are the photo gravure ones oh, well, um, none of them are up yet because i'm <laughs> okay. <working> on it <laughs> you know i've been listening graham it takes six years to get a <laughs> yeah. so what can you explain what can you explain then what uh, very simply explain what what are you? What is the photogravure process giving you that you've not been able to do before? What What actually is it going to let you do? So, um, to give you a brief overview of the process, um, you're it's a well, it's an etching technique. So, so essentially, you have a plate, and um, you have a, a steel-backed plate that 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 via a certain method, um, a, a photographic image is is etched into the top surface. And then with that plate, you go into a traditional printmaking studio and then you ink the plate up. And that means you you essentially fill all the tiny etched holes in with ink. And then with that inked plate, you roll it through these sort of beautiful old um, presses and then you, you peel the paper off the plate. And what you have is an inked photograph, which is a really beautiful thing because it's it's just on it's on paper it's not on shiny photographic paper it's it's on just just you know normal paper and you have this really beautiful um sort of deep matte black velvety um well the dark areas look look really velvety um, and really very dark and and then and you also have a choice of any color of ink that you can use so in in that respect in terms of the final print um there's a lot more freedom in the color you choose to make the print at. And it's just, it's a really engaging way of working. So it, it's it's one of those processes that people fall in love with, not just because of the final result, but because of the way, the whole the whole technique behind it. But but the final result, they're just beautiful. They, they, they kind of look somewhere between, well, a black and white one kind of looks somewhere between a drawing and a photograph because the detail is so fine, but it's it's just ink. It's not, you know, it's not colour that's built into the paper like it would be with, um, you know, with other traditional photographic print print processes. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it sounds fascinating, actually. It's, yeah, it's, it's really lovely. Um, not... I mean, don't get me wrong. I've t- I've been tearing my hair out quite a few times and wondering why I care about this technique. <laughs> um, and my my Peter Mosley, the, the 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 guy I'm learning with, he checks in every so often to check I haven't given up or killed myself <laughs> <laughs> or someone else. <laughs> 
I mean, with something like that where the process is so long and involved, yeah. uh, is it an agonizing thing deciding what you're going to do before you start? Because, you, you know, it's not like, oh, take an instant picture. No, that's crap. Take another instant picture. It's like, no, <laughs> the involvement is huge. Yeah, it is. I mean, because now I'm still in the sort of um, learning stage, I'm just practicing and working with um, black and white negative like images that I've already taken. Um, but when I uh, so there's a project that I'm that I'm going to be starting soon, which will be using this technique, um, and which the, then the project there'll be two phases. One will be the 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 image making phase, and to to summarise shortly what the work is, it's. I'm going to be working, um, surprise, surprise, with the female nude. And um, I'm going to be distorting the figure through um, vessels of water. So just to look at how water and glass change change the figure. Um, and I'm going to, I'll be making this work and the final project will be, will live in the form of photogravures. But it'll be, because as you say because it's such a such a complex process i'll spend a lot of time deciding exactly which images i then make into the gravure print so so i'll i'll know the sort of i'll know visually the body of work before i even begin to to go into the the photogravure uh, making pro- stage of it if you see what yeah. i mean yeah it is, I mean, as you said, with this piece of what you're working on and with uh, well, pretty much all of your other stuff um, is based around the female nude, female nude and modifying pictures of that. Um, I mean, I know you're not much one for artist statements, but there is such a strong, consistent yeah. theme through. Um, do you do you feel like you're working towards an ultimate something? Do you think that like there's there's a um an ultimate form of what you're going to get towards in terms of your work with the female form or do you think that these are are all equally valid just different looks um at the same thing um do i think there's an ultimate place i'm trying to get to no i don't think so i mean the the way i came to work with the form the way i do now it it just kind of happened in a way that felt felt very natural. So I I've always been photographically I've always been more I've always been far more drawn to working with people than working without people. So I've never been hugely drawn you know into landscapes or anything things like that. And when I was just playing around with photography at uni, I was using my friends as models, which I think is how a lot of people start. Um, and then I. The funny thing is, it, it the the clothes just sort of fell away quite naturally because I know it sounds weird to say, but it they just did over time because I I found that clothing it clothing in itself has so much to say. You know, you can look at a, an image and 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 what what the person is wearing becomes a big thing, and it it tells you something. It tells you something about who they are or where they are or when the image was made, and. And at the time, I was doing a bit of fashion photography as well, and I just, I just was getting really caught up in this idea that 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 clothing has has its own thing to say, and it just felt really simple and easier to do to do without it, um, and it, and then it, and then it became that I was just working with the sort of raw form of of who we are as people, you know, just humans in their most natural state. And that's that's really where where it comes from. Um, 
it's not it's nothing you know it's nothing deeper than that really it just it just it's a it's just a a natural way that i i began to work yeah no that makes perfect sense i mean as you said the human body is it is a it can be well, i mean i think in, in all its forms it's a beautiful and fascinating yeah, thing absolutely. um i think especially with female nudes we see far more far far more photography um yeah. by men than by women uh, yeah. which um i mean look i have no problem but it's a very different thing it is it is yeah. very rare you see female female nudes taken by men that, that don't have that male gaze going on because it's yeah, exactly. it's impossible not to because we're men you know it's it's really hard yeah. to get away from that um and and it's very refreshing not to see that because um you know it, it comes down to that thing like then if you can remove that it becomes yeah. like any other beautiful natural thing whether it's a, a flower or a, yeah, a mountain exactly. range or whatever it is it's it's the, you're using the form and the textures and the shape to create a beautiful picture and it's yeah. it's not about that element um and it's it almost is just my my sort of blank canvas it's it's sort of my starting point at you know of of what to do next um yeah how is it uh, in this day and age actually making a career as an artist? Um, well, yeah, it's a good question. So when I left uni, I thought it would be easy. Um, <laughs> I graduated uni and I thought, oh, you know, I, I'm going to be an artist. That's a thing, isn't it? I'll just, I'll just, do, I'll just do that. <laughs> and then, and then I think it took a year for me to realise how hard that was. Um, and then I was confused for the next few years. Um, and then I realized that it would be sensible to use these photographic skills I had and start a business and, and make a living with that as well. But I, yeah, I think it's very hard making a sole living as an artist. And, and I think there's all sorts of questions and things to discuss within that, you know, including, well, some, some thoughts I've come, I came to in the last few years is that is is I was asking myself who who am I making the work for because when when I was really insistent on trying to be a, a full pure artist nothing commercial just just making my work and making a living off that I just I well I don't know I kind of came to realize that if I wasn't doing that if I was being commercial as well and making a living in in a more of a um, way that I could rely on then I'm I'm still able to make the work and it doesn't actually change anything about my enjoyment of the art of the making art itself I don't know if that's making much sense but mm. yeah it does yeah I, I think before that I was getting quite tied up in the the ego side of it of you know just how great it would be to be an artist because it is a good thing and, and it's hard to attain and it's and it's something that I always found very exciting but then when I broke it down and thought well what do I actually want and the thing I actually want is to make the work like that's really the only thing that matters is that I still have the time and resources to to explore the the work itself and when I realized that I could do that by supporting myself in a in a commercial sense it kind of made sense and it's some. It's actually something I wish I'd learned a, a lot. Well, I wish I'd learned it a lot sooner because I think I was. I think as probably a lot of art graduates are, I was. I was just getting a bit 
um, gooey-eyed and excited about this idea of of being, you know, an artist and 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 thinking that it wasn't, you know, as interesting or as dynamic or as fascinating if I was to be working in in a commercial sense. So I kind of put that off for years, um, and then and then I I think it was yeah three years ago I had to had a long hard look in the mirror and I thought, come on come on, I'm 30 now and I'm still waitressing and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just not what I wanted for me. And I, and I realized that whatever it takes to be a full-time artist, clearly I don't have that right now. Otherwise it would have, or could have happened by now. So I had to look at my, my skill set, and, you know, there, there are things, there are things that I find difficult in the art world, which is being really bullshy and approaching galleries. Like I find that really difficult and I think you can't find that difficult if you want to be a real fully, you know, fully, you only make your money from your art. I think you have to be really, really, you really have to put yourself out there. You really have to be bullshy. And I don't know. I mean, maybe that's not true because I don't, I don't know that. I don't know what it is to be a full time pure artist. But certainly I realized that whatever I was doing, something wasn't working. Um, and I decided that I needed to sort of grow up and I needed to start making a living um, and 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 when I did that I, I honestly honestly never looked back and I was kind of gutted that it had taken me so long to get there because within within six months of working commercially I knew more about my camera I knew more about lighting I, I knew more about everything and I felt I felt more a genuine part of just the broader world of photography because not only was it my my hobby and my love, it was also my job. And, you know, I, I then had income that I could spend on my creative projects. Like I, I was never able to do a residency before, before, because I simply wouldn't have had the, you know, the income to support that. So yeah, it, it took me a bit too long, but I'm really glad I got there in the end because it, it, having the two things working side by side is, is great you know it's they they do really complement each other you you have to be quite strict with your time and I, and I do have to be wary of um the commercials of taking over sometimes because human it's human nature to put the the paid jobs in front of the unpaid ones um but yeah it's it's a it's it's a it's a it's a journey like like my work <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the fact that because I think so often we talk about oh you know there's always that risk of if you try and make your hobby your career you run the risk of killing the love you had for your hobby um but you seem to have managed to just split your passion very neatly and go okay this bit of my passion i'm going to use for making money this bit i'm going to use for exploring creativity um in a really neat way that's fantastic yeah thank you i mean how how easy has it been just building up a commercial business though because as you said when you started um the industry is not as easy as it was 20 years ago there's particularly for product photography um yeah. how easy was it getting that going I mean yeah I mean I don't know what it was like 20 years ago but it was it, you know it's interesting it was it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be because so because with the commercial work I'm not connected to it in the way that I am with my artwork so as so you know, I was saying I, I find it hard to sort of rock up to a gallery and, and introduce myself. But with with my commercial work, I, you know, I know I know it's good, and I know that some companies need a product photographer. So I found it a lot easier to just make those contacts and and reach out because because 
you know, it didn't break my heart when they said no, because it's just like, well, they just didn't need a product photographer. Whereas when someone says no to, you know, representing your artwork, it's, you know, it's, it hurts because it's, it really is your heart and your soul. But when someone says, no, sorry, we don't need a product photographer, you go, okay, cool. No worries. Let me know if you do. So the, so the site, so building up the clients, that side of thing felt quite, it, it wasn't that hard. I, you know, I, I spent a period of time with an assistant um, re- re- reaching out, you know, we would send sort of 30 emails a day to small companies that I would have handpicked and decided I wanted to work with. And we did that for sort of six months. Um, and, you know, you get maybe get you get maybe one reply out of every 20 emails you send or something. And I we just I just built it up slowly, slowly like that. And now I'm in a position where I'm sort of known enough that I don't have to do the reaching out anymore, which is great. Um, so yeah, I, f- I found it actually a lot easier. I could probably do with taking some advice off my commercial head for my art, my art <laughs> head. Um, <laughs> so yeah, note to self. Uh, that raises a good question, actually, because I mean, you said you you don't feel comfortable um approaching galleries and stuff like that. One of the conversations that we have fairly frequently on the podcast is. Um, like what's the end what's the end product what's what are we working towards with our our, with our photography with whatever it might be are we looking to make um a photo album or a zine or a a gallery showing or whatever it is like do do you have those things in mind when you're starting a project and and where do things tend to end up for you um so I think for me, the answer to that question has changed over the years. I think when I was younger, the thing that was important to me was having gallery shows and being known. And I think you kind of, well, I think I did kind of grew out of wanting that because that's more based around the ego rather than, you know, a love for making the work and sharing the work. And now where I'm at now, my my goals are, are more centered around, um, I mean, obviously goes without saying my goals are to, you know, create work that I love and that fascinates me. But in terms of any sort of end game, I, I like, I want the work to go to other people and I want to be selling the prints more and I want people to own my work. And, you know, that that's what I want the end game to be where, you know, that people have it, that I can share it in that way. So it's, it's quite a simple one now actually, which is good. But I mean, I still, you know, I exhibit in, I exhibit a maybe five times a year as well and I think shows shows are, are always really important to me because they're just they're great fun they're they're good as something to work towards and it's just really nice to you know to show your work in a gallery setting and I will I will always do those um but yeah but now I'm trying to gear up more towards selling the work and sharing the work because otherwise you have all this wonderful work and it's it's sad when it's not really going anywhere um, so this was actually going to be my year of doing art fairs, but that's been changed because <laughs> <laughs> they've all been cancelled. <laughs> um, but no, I was really lucky, actually. I did an art fair a week before. I, I did an art fair on, the, I think it was the first week of March. And I had an ex- I had a, a really big exhibition on in the second week of March. And sort of three days after, my two big events is when everything shut down. So I'm really... I'm really grateful that they went ahead. Um, but yeah, no more art fairs this year. Well, certainly not for the next six months, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't seem likely at the moment, does it? No. Um, you, I know on your website you've got, um, that you do cyanotype printing workshops. Yeah. Um, is there any likelihood that 
in the future, in the dim and distant future, when we're allowed outdoors again, um, that you might look in because, like I said, I I love going through the different sets you've got and seeing just some of the incredible creative techniques that you've adapted to use with your um, photographs. Do you think you might expand your workshops to include some of the more esoteric stuff that you've done? Um, because I I think it's really wonderful and um, I think it's something that could be hugely useful for just showing people what can be done for people who uh, are not blessed as you clearly are yeah. with the brain that goes I'm just gonna try this <laughs> I'm yeah. sure this will yeah. work yeah it's a good question I think in an ideal world if there were if there was you know 10 days in a week and 30 hours in a day I, I would but starting the workshops taught me um well I've I, I haven't stopped them completely but I don't do them very often anymore because it became um, it became just another thing and another element to my business that I was trying to run. And I've come to the realization that that running a commercial photography business alongside an art practice is in itself pretty difficult um, in terms of managing time and finances. And it, it may not sound like much to just chuck a few workshop workshops in the mix, but when um running workshops there's a huge side of it to to, pub, to to promote them and get people on the workshops and that ended up taking quite a lot of time and energy and I know it would if I started them up again or started doing different ones and it's just it's just not time that I I have I mean right now I would I don't have any work on but you know in my in my general life when I'm working on these two things side by side and I think that's actually been something I've been learning about myself over the years that I am I do get excited by new things and I do I do like the idea of starting things but I often have to check in with myself and think well hang on what's important because you know you're doing five things here meaning you're doing five things not very well and I think it's more important in like living a, a creative self-employed life it's more important to pick you know the two things or maybe three that that you really want to do and that, and that are getting you somewhere for whatever reason and just do those properly um and yeah I, I still do the odd workshop if I'm you know if I'm brought in or if I'm um asked to run one but in, in terms of running them off my own back it just it's just too much that I don't have the time for at the moment That's I can sad. understand that it's 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 far easier to achieve stuff if you've got fewer things you know fewer yeah. fewer fronts to fight the battles on <laughs> yeah I mean and it sometimes feels too much just these two things you know are running alongside each other I, th I think it's a point of maturity as well because uh yeah i yeah. mean especially yeah i guess if i think about the, the the younger me um you know trying to do lots and lots of stuff uh and you know uh, and and achieving perhaps less you know even even in my own dabbling in photography these past i don't know 10 12 years how long it's been you know it, it's uh you know actually just trying to settle down and focus on one thing at a time has helped me you know to to improve my own photography yeah but yeah it's uh yeah it's it is always tempting now you want to run off and do this that and the other yeah, uh, okay, yeah. i'll do that i'll do that yeah i mean i got i'm sitting here next to a cupboard that's just chock full of different types of cameras and stuff <laughs> so um, <laughs> and over my left shoulder is well both a piano and a guitar although I'm, I'm less of a piano player more of a guitar player but it's it's um you know there's so many things i'd like to be able to do yeah yeah <laughs> it's better that way though it's better it's oh, yeah. i'm 
I think it, I'm so glad that, and, and it's, you know, I think many of us, in both here and listening, are, are um, perhaps overburdened with enthusiasm for doing stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the fact that quite a lot of your projects and stuff that you've done, um, you talked about going back to use um, archive negatives and stuff like that. Yeah. That's kind of a perfect thing for a lot of people to be thinking about at the moment when maybe going out and taking okay. fresh photographs not so yeah. easy so have you got any good advice or suggestions or ideas for things that people might think about doing if you know if they want to do something creative but actually taking new photos is off the cards um what what could people have a go at doing well as long as we're still all right buying the odd thing online the first thing i would say is cyanotype printing because it's such a wonderful simple process that anyone can get their head around and I mean don't get me wrong you need a bit of sunshine but I'm sure we'll get a few days here and there um that's one yeah I mean that would be my first suggestion I've, I've got my cyanotype kit with me now I think that's going to form quite a big part of my lockdown um so yeah that would be my my first suggestion and then other than that I would say now I mean I know at Aid, you haven't got much time, but for people out there that, that are finding themselves more time rich, I would suggest spending more time than you, than than maybe you normally do, just sitting and, and thinking and sketching. And I always get a lot out of that, and, and it's something that when I'm busy, I don't I don't end up making much time for. But when I do, when I just sit down with a sketchbook, maybe looking on some online galleries for some inspiration, and then just giving yourself that time to mull ideas over and giving yourself that time to see where your mind goes to next. I think that could potentially be something that a lot of people will get out of this lockdown period. Certainly creatives that are finding themselves without, you know, without the workload that they had before. I think that that's going to hopefully be a really nice thing that people have the time to just slow down and think and, and work on ideas that, rather than just being constantly focused on the, the end product project and, and of creating, it could potentially be a really nice time just to slow down and let your mind wander a bit. And yeah. I, I love that. I, I, you're so right. Cause I, th I mean, I know, I know like today my, my client said, look, let's leave it till next week. Um, as is happening quite frequently at the moment. So, okay. Unexpected day off, which I, it's great. great. Um, and so uh, I like, okay, what am I going to do? Okay, I, I'm going to make these contact prints. I'm going to do this. And as you said, it was very much like, oh, I'm going to try and achieve things because yeah. that's the mindset that most of us are in all the time, that uh, free time is a limited commodity and yeah. you have to achieve things within it. Um, and the idea of stepping back and going, no, just, just sit down and let your mind wander and yeah. think about what you might like to do in the future uh, yeah. is, is kind of magical. And... And ultimately, we'll probably end up in you being far more productive and creative because you can then look at this, uh -huh. these sketches, these ideas and go, oh, I'm going to go and do that today. Um, I think that's a fabulous idea. Yeah. <laughs> you just need to fit it in whilst you're still working as well, Aid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so it, the, the, it is it is different, right? So the Monday to Friday bit at the moment is just enormously hectic. Um, yeah. Uh, but the the weekend, so this weekend just gone. Saturday was a very quiet day. Actually, all four of us in our house just just chilled out mostly. Um, and so you know, I I was able to sit down and and read a book and and stuff like that. So that that was good. 
Um, I, I hadn't quite got to the point of uh, through the other side of that of actually yeah of actually taking you know get, getting through the rest of time and into the productive space <laughs> it was but but uh, as we record this on monday yesterday was sunday so yesterday we were we were working uh all of us all four of us again in the house you know sort of almost rearranging the, the house you know we were moving furniture around and stuff because we, we we're using the house in different ways now yeah all of a sudden right we're all four of us in this house and my and and you know my, my kids are 10 and 8 at the moment so they're 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 real people they have their own needs they have their need for space they have their own need to be sociable you know and, and but we're all just doing different stuff so we was you know um clear moving furniture in the living room so that you know in in first thing in the morning it can be set up for an online pe lesson and then late, later in the day it can be set up with a folding table and yeah and chairs so they could do some school work and yeah you know, and and stuff like that it's um it, it's yeah it's it i think i I, feel, I do feel i'm getting i've been we've been here not on lockdown but i've been working from home now for about a week and a half nearly two weeks actually um and uh just sort of settling into it and and getting through the novelty through the fa- sorting the house out and i feel like my i feel in some ways you know much more able to devote time to creative endeavors than uh the, than i have done recently so i'm getting there i've got yeah. i'm sitting i'm sat here i'm looking at a bunch of boxes of of instax square films sat on my desk and a little photo album that takes those which I, uh, my the thing I'm going to do is sort through the photos I took on our family summer holiday touring around France last year, and create a little photo album, a real photo Yay. album. I think this this period of time is, you know, whether you're busy or whether you've got loads of time, it's it's forcing everyone to be have to be creative with everything, with space, with time, with family members. You know, it's it's forcing people to think differently. Um, in in all different senses, and I think that's never a bad thing. No, well, it's certain, it's certainly uh, proving interesting time in our household. I mean, you know, yeah. ha- happily, none of us have gotten sick yet, um, so you know, I can understand that for some people who who are even if they're not sick with the the thing, you know, it, it could be a, a, a horrible time. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it is certainly in our house. We we we've we haven't really suffered yet we've gotten away with it very lightly so far so um you know you do do have that i do have the luxury of, of thinking ahead um of course that could all end <laughs> if we if we end up one of us getting sick and then all of us getting sick it could we could end up with having a terrible time for a while but um it's uh at the moment we're, we're very fortunate so far so yeah oh, lots of lots of things to think about there lots of lots of uh Lots of uh, opportunity or opportunity. I mean, yeah, you, you've talked Lucy. Just you know, I, I guess just trying to maybe sort of start to wrap up the conversation. Think about you know, you've talked a lot about the the time and the opportunity. Um, I, I I can't help but notice that a lot of your professional work uh, is is potentially achievable. Not to, maybe not to the standard that you do it. <laughs> but potentially achievable by some people on lockdown because the stuff that looks like it's been shot on a kitchen table i know it's a studio i know it's a studio it's professional and it's got all the all all the gizmos but how would you go create i tell you what i'm i'm looking right right now i'm looking at the the home page of your professional photography website lucyridges.com yeah um and i'm looking at the some things here um 
Uh, I don't think you'll find that there's an amazing shot of a bottle of gin with some botanicals around it. I don't think you'll find many full bottles of gin in our house for much longer. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but we, yeah, if, yeah we, maybe you've got some tips for taking photographs of empty bottles of gin <laughs> or scotch. <laughs> um, the one that's really jumping out at me is a, is a slightly more... Um, uh, it's 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 a slightly darker picture, which looks like it's a sort of berry yogurt thing with with uh, rose petals uh, oh, yeah. on it, that and, and that the colours in that just yeah, uh, and and the the to the the exposure tones with the lighting tones in it are, are just awesome. But at the, ultimately, it's a bit of board, a, a, a teaspoon and a glass with some stuff in it, isn't it? So, yeah, and that, was, so, that, that wasn't done in a studio. That was just, that was in my friend's kitchen. Okay, right. There we go. Excellent. So, <laughs> so, we're, you know, uh, how, how, how do you go, how do you go about creating one of those? For all of our, our, our lockdown listeners who might have uh, a teaspoon and a glass and some yogurt yeah. or something. <laughs> like... How do you go about making a photograph like that? So this I worked together with my friend who's um, who, amongst many other wonderful things, is a, is a, a brilliant cook, uh, chef and food stylist. So she made the dish. She made this um, sort of berry compote crumble dish. And we this was a shoot we just did because we wanted to just exercise our creative, you know, what whatever's. And... So we spent the afternoon or the morning at hers. And this shot, I think, took probably a couple. It's funny because I don't know what it looks, how long it looks like it took, but it, I think it took about two hours or three hours to get to that shot because we were just constantly sort of moving and trying things. And I, I guess that'll be my main tip is don't is don't rush anything, especially if you're just doing it for, you know, enjoyment. And this would find the biggest window in your house because natural light always trumps um artificial light i was going to say that because of all of the ones that are on your home page um it's probably the only low-key shot yeah that's true well that that's because i work with you know most of my clients sell online and dark shots are not recommended for websites because ah, okay because it's just not the way uh, so so when there's a brighter image our eyes are, are attracted to it mm. and obviously that's imperative when someone has a shop and they're trying to sell things so darker images low-key images they look beautiful and they look creative and warm but they don't draw the eye in as much as as, as a bright brightly lit light colored image does right. every it, there you go i learned something new every day <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah, I, I sadly I don't really get to use natural light that much in my work because we just don't have the long days in England um, apart from in the summer. But and it, it just it's it's not constant enough. So I need to know if I've got sort of a nine hour photo shoot. I need to know that I can take the same picture at nine a.m. That, that I can at six p.m. And unfortunately, that's just not possible with with natural light. Um, otherwise, I would use it far more because it's just it's the be the absolute best way to work. Um, so yeah, find the biggest window in your house, um, get right up to it, and and get creative. <laughs> okay, no, that 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 is exactly the kind of guidance i was hoping you'd give us because that's really tangible people can act on that you know it's you know yeah. it yeah, you find find like use natural light well we've all got some of that at least for some of the day and, yeah. and the days are getting the evenings are getting longer now aren't they as well because the clocks have gone forward so 
So, yeah. so that's good. Um, and and the other thing you said is have patience and play. And you said two couple of hours to get to that shot. So, yeah. you know, there's there's definitely um, definitely an evening's work there, isn't there? Yeah, you know, for or, or half a day's work for somebody to 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 create something like that. Which yeah, and and build things up slowly would be my other piece of advice. So, so the way when when the main thing to think about when you're styling is not to is not to grab your props and your surface and plonk it all together and then look through the lens. It's to look through the lens and get your, you know, your table or your surface right. And then look through the lens and get the next thing right. Whether that's a bit of slate that's sitting on top of the table, you want to plan that. And then you want to get your subject in, which in this case is the, is the glass. And then you spend a bit of time just getting that right and making sure you know, the image is weighted to how you want it to be and that everything's sort of where it is. And then you might want to look at, you know, say here we've got just something out of focus in the background. Um, you, you would spend a bit of time getting that where you wanted it to be, trying that in various places and just just waiting for that moment where it looks good where it is. There really isn't anything more scientific than that. It's just trying it until it just looks good to your eye. And then any And then the sort of finishing touches, which in here are the spoon and the sprinkles leave those you know make sure you're happy with the completely happy with the image before you think about adding those things because also when you chuck sprinkles and petals on um you you really have to start again to get them out of the way so you yes. want to wait till yeah. you want to wait till you're happy before you add any any sprinkly elements yeah no that, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's great there's really good practical advice thank you because mm. it's it's um you know, it's it, I. I wouldn't necessarily have thought that way. It almost feels like, well, you know, um, uh, yeah, bu building your set or, almost before you, you know, before you put the finishing touches on it. And yeah, yeah, in interesting stuff. Interesting yeah. stuff. And and, and, and what and about it, what about any uh, any uh, post processing? I'm, I'm guessing because this is your commercial work, a lot of it is digital. Um, it's yeah so for my commercial work everything is digital unless unless I have a portrait commission and then that sort of falls into the creative side of my work and I will always do that on film right. but yeah um product photography and food photography it just there's just no other way for it not to be digital for the volume of images we take and the and they have to be sharp so in my in my artwork you know nothing sharp I mean things are in focus but nothing is pin sharp and it's not it's not something I attain to is, is sharpness, but obviously anything commercial, it has to be pin sharp um, and contrasty and, and all the rest. So, yeah, I, I will. And also practicality wise, I, I shoot tethered. So for anyone that doesn't know, that means I shoot into a straight to a computer. So I might have a client with me who then sees the image land on the computer and then they assess it and they let me know if it's if it's correct or and then we have a discussion around it. So, yeah, all that has to be digital yeah no i can i could yeah they, they, that's where you take it into the realms of of something that is uh le less less relevant to to most of our listeners but just the bit yeah. but the the being being stuck at home stuff and bit and being creative yeah. i think is is definitely um yeah. you know it's so yeah wow okay yeah there's there's a good few hours to be uh devoted to crafting an image there isn't there and i guess yeah. there the, the sounds like there's a huge amount of craft as well as vision that goes into it <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's something like that. It's it's just playing around, you know, it's experimenting and it's just, you know, it's just trying and building up an image until you're happy with it, really. But the key thing is not to rush. You know, if you're hoping to 
get an image that you're in love with in 20 minutes it's not going to happen but as long as you're not in a rush then it's really enjoyable and and that's when it becomes yeah just a joy and fun cool. thank you yeah excellent good tips and, thank you yeah. <laughs> it has to be said if you're, you're stuck at home and you want to do some just general buggering about digital is quite good for that because you know yeah definitely yeah i've always said this for for years graham you've heard me go on about this for years about when you're using artificial light with film um you know digital is a is a great way of making sure that you've got a setup that you like um yeah uh, uh, before you go to it i mean yeah it's 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 rare that even with practice it's rare that you can imagine all the things that uh a light would do (laughs) Yeah, especially if it, you know, a, a strobe light of some sort, you know, that, that that doesn't have maybe a modeling light or anything like that. It's, yeah. you know, it's rare. You, you, you can kind of get, a, I, I at least, you know, from years of, of practicing, I, I can kind of th- figure out, well, OK, that light with that modifier is going to do X. Right. Uh, broadly yeah. speaking. But then there's always those serendipitous bits where it, it, it spills out the side of the grid somehow and, and lights something in the background that you were trying desperate yeah. to keep dark. And you have to pretend you in, <laughs> you have to pretend you like it. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was aiming for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so you've obviously been there as well, Lucy. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Loads of happy accidents. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank thank you, Lucy. Um so many great tips uh so much for you know for our listeners to work with uh in, in these strange lockdown times um and, and some real insight into the artistic processes as well um it, it's been great great to, to talk to you great to meet you great to talk to you um uh graham and any any last thoughts whilst we whilst we still have the, the privilege of speaking to lucy yep and we still have the privilege of uh, your computer not falling over um no i just want to say that uh listeners should definitely go and check out both of lucy's websites because um whilst you might think that product photography and food photography is not something you're interested in um it's really beautiful stuff and what really impresses me is that i don't look at that and feel like it is in any way lacking in creativity or in the joy of making it which i kind of i thought oh maybe maybe that's the thing you you know it's your money making thing um but it does feel very much like you still get a lot of enjoyment from doing that side as well yeah absolutely yeah i feel i feel really fortunate to be working with that as my commercial venture because do it it's i get to do all the styling as well as i mentioned and it's just it's just a really it's a really creative place to be and it's just yeah it's really enjoyable there you go, Ed. You gonna get us out of here? <laughs> yeah, I can get us out of here, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And on that note, well, there we go. <laughs> uh you know, we well, we have been the Sunny Sixteen podcast. Thank you ever so much again, Lucy, for for joining us. H- have you had fun? I have had lots of fun. It's been really nice. Good. It's been been very nice. And it's and it's the only plan I, I have this week so um so yeah it's been it's been lovely thank you for having me oh well i'm, I'm glad we've been able to put some uh, some discipline into your life then <laughs> well that's a first yeah it's not often we get accused of that is it really okay all right folks well there you go uh, go check out lucy's work please do please do it is fantastic stuff uh, and i i re- i i'm i'm pretty sure i'm going to be trying one of those low-key uh, food product stump something shots because that that was awesome that one really jumped out at me uh so um well we are the sunny 16 podcast uh, you can find us on the internet because 
because that's the only place anybody goes at the moment uh we are sunny16podcast.com is always a good place to start um because not only do you get the joy of listening to the podcast uh you also get the joy of seeing all the episode art that matthew does for us which is um often better than the podcast (laughs) (laughs) but that will not be the case today because of our super special guest lucy so check us out there check us out on twitter instagram email us at gmail it's it's just sunny 16 podcast wherever you can think of uh we'll play you out now with rachel's band rocker you can get their album promises i should have kept uh on instagram no you can't get it on instagram but you might be able to get it on amazon itunes bandcamp and some other places as well as ever it has been an honor and a privilege to talk with you all we'll be back next week goodbye Bye. Bye.